Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Friday the 29th of July. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Susan Carlin, filling in for Holly Wainwright, who is off living her best life. On the show today, does ghosting classify as emotional abuse? According to a proposed bill, absolutely. And a spicy listener dilemma about infidelity. Plus, our best and worst of the week ranging from the dinner I had at Susan's house, an ambulance visit and friend dates. But first... In case you missed it! (laughs) In case you missed it, I have a new favourite rugby league player and his name is Toby Rudolph. Oh, who was your favourite before him? I didn't know any. (laughs) He's my first and and only. only. (laughs) He plays for Cronulla. The NRL, of course, have been in the news a lot this week because of the Manly players, seven of them deciding not to wear the Pride jersey for a special match that was played last night, which they lost 20 to 10. He's backed the introduction of an NRL Pride round. There isn't one yet. Manly were just trialling those jerseys. And you might think that you know, it didn't go very well. But he's come out. He's a big guy. He looks like um, Jason Momoa. He's apparently got a big personality, very charismatic, life and soul of the party. And he's come out and said, love is love and I love to share it with everyone. And he says, while he identified as heterosexual, he said, sexuality is very fluid. I've been out and kissed many gay men, kissed many straight women and kissed many gay women. And I love this story so much. He says he was raised by quite a few gay and lesbian community members. He has a gay uncle. His godmother's gay. And he said there's so much love in that community. And we were talking on Wednesday's show about how Ian Roberts was the only openly gay player. And I can't remember if he was out while he was playing. But, you know, obviously there are many players with all kinds of sexualities within the NRL, but none of them have felt comfortable to come out. So this was just quite glorious. And what's really interesting about this guy is that he was in the news last year because I think he was fined for this, actually. After a game, he was doing an interview and here's what he said. You're a bit of an old-fashioned player. What's on the cards for T. Rudolph tonight? Probably about a 1,000 beers. Um, <laughs> got to go to Northies, try and pull something. Uh, anything will do. Um, and he was fined, I believe, and castigated by his club and there was a big public outcry because it was seen as very demeaning to women. He now says what he meant was that I want to pull something, anything will do. He meant man, woman, gay, straight, I don't care. I just want to put something in something. <laughs> and I just love this guy. He's my new favourite. He's just so chill about it all as uh, yeah, you should be. I love that that story is a headline that's come out today and yeah. this was the whole point of the Pride jerseys. Obviously there was debate but 
the whole point is that you can have NRL players or rugby league players at their local clubs talking about their sexuality more openly and if There's been so much hand-wringing about it though and I just loved how he's like, whatever, you know? He says he identifies as heterosexual but... He's open to everyone. I loved how he described it as not being a one-stop shop. Like what a hilarious description of adamant heterosexuality. Like what I liked about this and and his comment was the way he talked, like you said, Mir, about his uncle and his godmother because it reminds us that in all these conversations things aren't flat. Like, you know, he's from the Pacific Island community. It would be easy to say, oh, everyone in that community, well, that you know, they're against this. And he's going, no, not only am I okay with this, but this was my aunt, this was my godmother, my uncle, whoever, this was my community. Everyone from every community and every background, they're going to see this issue differently. And it's important that we remember that, that this isn't a black and white issue for people. That's a great point because I did think one of the things that made me sad this week was that Pacific Islanders in Australia get such little media representation, hardly any representation in in the arts. Given how much Pacific Islanders contribute and are a part of Australian culture, just completely marginalised. And the fact that that's the story that is what we grab onto just felt like a bit of a shame. So I love that we've got other examples. Now, the other thing this week, in case you missed it, is this Neighbours finale thing. I have been saying all week... Neighbours. No, no, no. Stop it. I've been saying all week that the media is desperately trying to make Neighbours happen. Every radio show, every TV show is just like, Neighbours, Neighbours finale. And I was rolling my eyes because I've never been a Neighbours person. Apparently, the finale got like 900,000 viewers. That's actually quite a lot. That's massive. I wonder where they were when no one was watching it for the last 10 years and that's why they've ended. The thing that I saw that really got my interest was about Craig McLaughlin, who did his own tribute to Neighbours. He wasn't invited, was he? He got snubbed, he said, from the real one. So he did his own on Instagram. Why do you think they might not have invited him, Suze, to the reunion along with Kylie Minogue, Margot Robbie, Natalie Imbruglia, Jason Donovan? Well, I mean, he's a little bit on the nose, isn't he? It's actually really complicated because... Technically, he was found not guilty of charges of, was it sexual assault was Mm, the actual charge? Assault and indecent assault of four women. So he was found not guilty, which at face value you go, okay, well then what's the problem? Why is this man still being punished? Because I'm assuming that's why he wasn't invited. But when you actually look at what the magistrate said, she said, actually, I think it is very likely that he did touch these women in these inappropriate ways. I think Mm. he probably did use his Mm. tongue on his co-star, but that she was not persuaded beyond reasonable doubt that he did not know that they weren't consenting. Even though he was found not guilty, Mm. there is more to it than that. He has accused neighbours of succumbing to cancel culture. He's been very vocal. But I agree. I think at face value you might go, hang on, this man was never guilty. Is this, you know, we're just taking the women's words for granted. So what did he do? He decided to make his own video because he was, I can't remember what he was. Henry? Henry. I don't know. Who uh, that's Henry when is. I used to watch it. Okay. There was Jane, there was Henry. Did Henry there have was long hair? Guy Pierce, there was Scott and Charlene. Yeah. yeah. He had a mullet and I think he was some kind of tradie. Yeah. Well, he said he was one of the most beloved characters and he got very angry because he said, You brought someone back from the dead for the finale, but you didn't bring back Henry. Hey, everyone. Well, I'm calling it. I'm declaring National Bib and Brace Overalls Day in honour of Henry Ramsey and, of course, to celebrate the Aussie Super Soap neighbours. Do you know? I got the call to join the show way back in 1986. An exciting call that changed my life. We've got a special guest via video link. Let me just see if they're there. 
Hi, Craig. Hey, listen, thanks for letting me be part of your special neighbours celebration. I really appreciate it. And hey, I used to cop a lot of flack about this hair, but the mullet's back and the mullet's here to stay and so is Henry Ramsey. It was just the most evident case of FOMO I've ever seen. Like he was so desperate to be there and part of it. So the Spanish government, which is a left-wing government, has launched a summer advertising campaign with the taglines, all bodies are beach bodies, and summer is ours too. They've created an advertisement showing five women of various shapes and sizes lounging on the sand, including a topless woman who has had a mastectomy. And unveiling the campaign, the Equality Minister, Irene Montero, said, all bodies are valid and we have the right to enjoy life just as we are without blame or shame. Summer is for everyone. Now, you might think, oh, isn't that lovely that Sounds the, good the to government's me. encouraging this? You'll be stunned to hear that social media has disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> Social media has said no. What is it actually, it's raised these accusations. This is actually incredibly patronising because women are saying, actually, we never felt unable to visit the beach in hot summer months and you're creating a problem where there isn't one. So thank you, Irene Montero, began trending sarcastically on Spanish Twitter. You're up there with Nelson Mandela, said someone else, ironically thanking the minister. And other people point- are awful. She was just trying. Oh. And I think that putting someone who's had a mastectomy and I disagree that a woman who's had a mastectomy would feel perfectly comfortable to be at the beach and not self-conscious. I mean, if she does, amazing. But I think that, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And I think she meant well, damn it. But is this a case of us, there is this tendency among the far left to just say really uncontroversial things to applause do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like yeah. mental health is a problem that we should talk about. They do that on Q&A. Do you yes. ever watch Q&A and someone will just make a really grand statement yeah. and everyone will clap everyone it because you can't agree, disagree with equal. it. We should do more. We should do more, that kind of thing. This is the classic we should do more and we should start the conversation. Is there anyone in Spain, nay the world, who would say person who has had a mastectomy, you do not belong at the beach. Is this the role of You're politicians? You're being too literal. I think that you want people to feel represented. And if you've never seen a woman who's had a mastectomy, topless, the first time you see it, it's a shock. The second time you see it, it's less of a shock. The 25th time you see it, you've seen it. It doesn't register. I think it's a really important message. Is this the role of the government though? Like, don't you feel like This feels like the kind of thing that we would expect from a shampoo brand that has just discovered body diversity. It feels weird that a government has spent money on this. This wasn't just, you know, an off-the-cuff remark at a press conference. They've paid for advertising. They're really behind it. Is the government to be doing this? When I was on the Federal Body Image Task Force or whatever it was called, a lot of the research shows that poor body image, I know it sounds like, oh, so indulgent, but it actually causes a loss of productivity because it can impact on mental health. Ironically, it can stop people from going to the beach, which isn't really about productivity, but you take my point. It can actually have a flow and effect. And I think if we want to see more representation of different sized people and, and different people who look in lots of different ways, why not? Why shouldn't the government do that? I just feel as though it's not a Spanish crisis. It doesn't have to be. a Just because things could be worse doesn't mean they can't also be better. I don't know. I feel like it's a case of a politician being like, don't worry about this legislation or the fact that we've got a pandemic that has killed X amount of people or all the other issues we've got. Let's distract people with, you're allowed to go to the beach too. Hashtag girl power. I don't so know. so cynical. 
lawmaker in the Philippines has filed a bill seeking to declare ghosting as a form of emotional abuse. I can hear the cynicism in your voice again. Yep. Maybe I'm in a mood. I think you yeah. are. You need to get Go- to the beach. I know. Ghosting is, of course, when someone cuts off all communication without explanation and it's particularly pervasive and acute given our online communication situation. When I first heard about this story, I thought it meant ghosting from parties, which is something that I do all the time and did as recently as Saturday night. I thought that they were saying that's a form of emotional abuse. And I'm like, hang on. You've been running from authorities ever since. So this is about just abandoning someone in a relationship. Yes. Which is now called ghosting. Exactly. And specifically, weirdly. Which people have been doing since the dawn of time, but now has a name and some legislation. Yeah. And weirdly, it specifies only hetero couples, which is very, very strange. And it can't be someone you're casually seeing. It's got to be a relationship. So you've been Mm. seeing them for, say, three months and it's established you're kind of together. The lawmaker said that studies have shown that social rejection of any kind activates pain pathways. Ghosting develops feelings of rejection and neglect and the ambiguity of ghosting means that there's no real closure between the parties. He says it's emotional cruelty. The bill defines emotional abuse as acts or omissions causing or likely to cause mental or emotional suffering, such as ridicule or humiliation. According to that definition, breaking up with someone looks a little bit like emotional abuse because it's very humiliating. Susan, do you think ghosting is actually a form of emotional abuse? First of all, I really like ghosting. (laughs) (laughs) As a practice. I do it all the time. Well, I leave people on red. I mean, anyway, look, I love ghosting. I'm like Mia, love leaving a party, not talking to anyone. Like I love the whole thing and I hate this because I hate the way it makes it sound like this is a traumatic, abusive thing. What isn't trauma and abuse then? How can you end a relationship without traumatizing or abusing someone? I think we are really into overstating that everything is now trauma and abuse. So I hate it for that reason. But I also hate this because I think this could actually be used by abusers. Imagine you are in a relationship with someone who's abusive and you just want to get out of it and you know having a conversation with them will only end badly. They could then use this legislation to say that, in fact, you've harmed them. Sometimes I think we just need oh, wow. a break I didn't and think of that. that's the end of it. Mm. What do you reckon, Maya? I'm a little bit torn. I mean, I think obviously this legislation won't get up and it probably shouldn't. But I think that there is certainly an extraordinary amount of progress that we've made over the last couple of decades, three decades almost since I was in an emotionally abusive relationship, which I didn't recognise it as that because I'd never heard the term emotional abuse. I thought abuse was someone hitting you and this guy didn't hit me. Mm. So I assumed that it was actually just true love and just drama. I didn't have names for it. So I think that things like coercive control, we're starting to understand because often these things are early warnings of behaviour that can escalate into physical abuse. So I think it's good that we're getting a wider vocabulary and a wider understanding of what abuse within a relationship looks like. I think Susan's got two brilliant points, which I will just agree with, about everything's trauma, then nothing's trauma, and also that it can be used by abusers. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. I think some people instinctively ghost because they know that the other option, which is to be honest or upfront, is not going to work. I've done that with men where I've felt quite uncomfortable and you've got to be sort of rude and decisive. I do think that there are situations, as someone I know who was in a relationship for 10 years, was ghosted by this person who... 10 years. 10 years. But when you say ghosted, what do you mean? 
he left the country. The thing that got me was things like rent, bills, mortgage. Maybe he went into witness protection. Everything. Oh, no, he went and found a younger woman. But he went over there, disappeared from her life, and I thought, that's so interesting that she has no recourse. Like, what can you do? You just have to find the money to pay the rent. You just have to. But you can't legislate against people being assholes. I know. Yeah, that's what's really, really hard. Ghosting doesn't make them go away. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Hi, my name's Amy. This is a question for Out Loud. Look, I need some advice for my 16-year-old daughter. We have an anonymous dilemma emailed to us from an outlouder and it goes like this. Hi, outlouders. My friend is thinking of having an affair with a male colleague. She's been married for 10 years. I was in the bridal party and I'm also good friends with her husband. From what I can see, they are happily married, no kids. Do I tell her husband? Do I tell her not to have the affair? Or do I just pretend that I know nothing? Susan. Mate, there is so much in this. She's clearly good friends with the woman. She was in her bridal party. She also says, I'm also good friends with the husband, implying that she's good friends with the woman. So I think if you were good friends with the woman, I think you should speak to your friend and say, this is a terrible idea. Don't do this. You know, if you're having trouble in your relationship, work on that. Work out why. Do you need to end the relationship? Can you fix it? Do not have an affair. I think this is a terrible idea. Should she tell the husband? That one, I don't know because I think it's very individual in that some people would really want to know. If they found out that a friend knew that they were being cheated on and weren't told, they would be so angry at the friend for not telling them. But other people would be very upset if a friend did tell them and threw this hand grenade into the relationship. So I don't know whether she should tell the husband or not, but I think she really needs to talk to her friend very frankly and say, this is not a good idea. I'm going to say that if the friend has said she's thinking of having an affair, she's going to have it. So I don't think she's going to listen. Uh, uh, I've been in this situation mm. where I found out after, you know, the person told me afterwards and I kind of wish they hadn't because it put me in a really, really difficult situation. Did it make you see your friend differently? A little bit. This was quite a long time ago, but it put me in a really difficult position with my then partner because I couldn't tell him. I saw this person's partner, you know, he was a good friend of mine and it was really difficult. And I think that if you're going to have an affair, and, and I think that this person's a little bit naive to say from what I can see they're happily married, it's not really her business whether her friend has an affair or not. Usually people don't ask for advice. She's probably just asking for permission. I think sometimes people ask friends for advice because they need someone to look them in the eye and say, don't do this, Mm. Um, because they're being pulled in one direction and they need the moral sounding board of someone 
without the feelings. I've also been in this situation about 10 years ago and a friend said to me, I have feelings for this person. I think it was an ex. Should I go and catch up with them? Mm. And I remember saying to them, just imagine that anything you do with this person, whether it is hanging out, texting, kissing, anything more, your partner will find out every detail. If you feel as though you can look them in the eye after that and you can explain it to them, great. But to me, this first step signals the end of your current relationship. And if you are prepared for that to be the end of your relationship, then I'm not going to judge you for it. And this person ended up not doing it. They went, Mm. all right, I needed to play that out. I needed to... That was good advice. And to say out loud, sometimes you've got to say out loud your deepest, darkest feeling to realise that not wanting to have an affair, but having a sense of attraction to someone outside your relationship is very normal. And I think sometimes you probably just have to say it out loud. I would counsel the friend. I think that if you tell the husband, you will ruin two friendships. Your friend will never forgive you. Mm. The husband will always kind of hate you because you're associated. And there's nothing to tell. It's like your friend is thinking of having an affair. Like that's just nothing to tell. Yeah, but if the friend goes ahead and has the affair, and I think a lot of us have been in this position, and then you're all sitting at a dinner table and it feels so fake and like you're not. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, to not say anything. But I don't think it's your position, especially if you are closer to the female friend than the husband. If you have a dilemma that you'd like us to solve, <laughs> because we're very wise, you can email us at outloud at mamamia.com.au or you can go and leave your dilemma in the Outlouders Facebook group. There's now a thing where you can do things anonymously. And I've noticed that since Facebook allowed this feature, there's a lot of anonymous dilemmas mm-hmm. in that group. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. It's time for Best and Worst. Susan, you're going first, please. Oh, wow. (laughs) My worst is that my 15-year-old son has COVID for the second time. Uh. And it's a drag. He's back in isolation at the back of the house. And it made me realise that we kind of all just have to accept we're probably going to get it again. I have a friend who has a 15-year-old stepson who has had COVID four times. Wow. The kid's a medical marvel. I know, it's awful and he gets quite sick every time. How sick is your son? Yeah, is he sicker or less sick? It's probably about the same actually. He was pretty unwell the first time he got Delta and now this time he's still, he's not 100%, he's lying down a lot and isn't feeling great. And I think the reason I feel scared about getting it a second time, a third time or whatever is I fear that every time one of us gets it, are we that step closer to long COVID? Mm. That's my fear is long COVID, the horror of long COVID. Mm. So anyway, he's got it. You know, it is what it is. He's vaccinated though. I I will point that out. My best is that I guess I went on what is the closest equivalent to online dating you can have when you are married. My husband and I went and had dinner at a house of a guy that I met on Twitter. We actually had barely even communicated. So now that I think about it, I have no idea why when he said you you and your husband want to come over for dinner, I'm like, yeah, sounds great. Did you not Um, think, uh uh-oh, swingers? All of this has come to me for the very first time as I speak to you right now. I don't know why. 
he was an Anglican priest and he said, come and have dinner with my family. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. So he doesn't sound very swingy. No. Yeah. No. Keys in a bowl, you never know. (laughs) And that was where driving there I said to my husband, this could be awful. Like they could just be really boring Mm. or this could be really uncomfortable. Anyway, I guess we'll find out. And I guess that must be what online dating is like. So, you know, props to everyone that goes and does that because it's awful. But luckily it was great. We had such a lovely, lovely dinner. His family was awesome. Great conversation. So I recommend it. Find a stranger on social media and go to their house. I don't know what could go Can I ask though, Susan, did you have that feeling on the way home where you're going, did he like us as much as we liked him? What if they we left and they were like, oh, that was, yes. we won't do that again. All right, I'm going next. My worst for this week was the tax man. Have you guys done your tax yet? I'm halfway through. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's above my pay grade. <laughs> okay, so I remembered tax. As a communist, that's a joke. I'm not a full communist, but I like equality as a general principle. You do. I like tax. Taxes are great. They pay for hospitals and such. Mm. I don't like it when I have to pay it, though. Mm. That doesn't feel fair because I worked hard for that money. So what I'm doing now is this is the first year where I, because I'm three days at Mamiya and then I kind of do my own thing, the compiling of invoices, the working out gross tax GST expenses... What is an expense? You don't strike me as someone who keeps a lot of receipts no, in no. well-organised files. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. It has been an absolute mess. I don't know what I'm doing. I was out at dinner last night with a bunch of friends. One of them said, oh, I thought about claiming stuff and then I thought, better not. He claimed nothing. The guy opposite him pretty much claimed his gold-plated toilet seat, like he would claim anything. And I was like, this is so unfair that it's just about – your financial literacy to know what you can and can't claim. I'm seeing a tax man. He's going to help me, but I hate this time of year. My best was dinner at Susan Carlin's house. Woo! Oh, I forgot that happened. That should be my best. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) At least it wasn't your worst. (laughs) It was Susan's second best. She has another favourite friend, it appears. We played board games. Had you guys met before? No. We had never met in person, but I walked in. I was like, hey, Susan, because I just feel like... We know each other from screens, but mm-hmm. then you're always like, oh. Susan's. She's taller than you expect, isn't she? She is. I she's, told you that. She's taller. Mm. It's very interesting. It was so fun. There was a man there who is also a magician. I don't know enough magicians. Susan does. Is his the- name Walid Ali? <laughs> <laughs> his name's Sammy. What do you mean? He was an actual magician. He's a friend of mine who's a magician. Oh. Do you always have entertainment when you invite <laughs> people over? I do, I've been to your house for dinner one time. There was no entertainment. I've, I've upped my game. I realised, you know, you've got to make an effort when people come. We, we can't offer them drinks, so where there's got to be something we can give them. I did bring a bottle of wine to your house. Did you I actually? Can. Yeah, I did. Oh, Mia Friedman. Horrified. Okay. And it was Ramadan. Oh, Mia. All right. What's Funny I haven't been invited To back. be fair, I insulted you when you came to our house, Mia, because I, like, made the presumption that you would have taken the train to our house. And you're like, um... Darling, no. <laughs> I did not that take wasn't an insult. That was just a gross <laughs> overestimation of my ability to navigate public transport. My worst this week was having to call an ambulance because my daughter has been sick with a virus. It, it has not been COVID, but she gets asthma. She doesn't get asthma very badly, but she's had this, what turns out to be respiratory infection. And I took her to the doctor on Saturday and she said, I think it's just viral. Have lots of Ventolin. I said, how would I know? Because she's struggling to breathe a little bit. I said, how would I know 
to be hospital. And she said, if you get her to take off her top and look at her base of her throat Mm. and that little soft bit, and if it's sucking in when she breathes, it means she's not getting enough air. I've never heard that. And call an ambulance. I think it's called work breathing. Yeah. And also when your ribs are like sucking in around your ribs. So Sunday morning, had to call an ambulance. The ambulance came, very lovely, didn't have to go to hospital, felt bad for putting pressure on an already stressed health system. But, and then the next day my dog went missing. So you know those moments where you just go, my day could go in two very different directions. Yes, yes, exactly. And I wasn't expecting it to go Mm. in any direction. So anyway, my best is that I got my fourth COVID booster and it was free. I went and got, because I thought I was getting sick and my daughter was sick, so we went and got PCRs. Haven't had one of those for a while. Forgot that that goes so far up. (laughs) That was also free. It was like a two-minute drive from my house and I just thought, how good's Australia? How'd you feel the next day? Anything? Any side effects from From, the No, no, it's today. No, I feel fine. My arm's a bit sore, totally fine. I don't have COVID. And also when you have a PCR, I don't know if everyone does this now, but where I went, they give you all the, do you have influenza, A, B, C, do you have this virus, do you have that virus? Yeah. And so it showed that Coco had like a respiratory virus, which we knew, and I didn't have any of them. So as my mum said, I've just been malingering. (laughs) I was just a malingerer. So that's my best is the wonderful health system. I have a quick recommendation before we go. Have either of you listened to the Conversations episode yet with Deborah Francis White, the host of The Guilty Feminist? I have not. I actually stole this recommendation from Holly, who said it's worth listening to. Two things that I loved about it. The first was that she said, for anyone who doesn't know, The Guilty Feminist is an iconic podcast. It's brilliant. It's been going for years and years. And she said that the best advice she ever got was you won't find your true audience until you say what you're afraid to say. And I thought that was such a good guiding light even for what we do here and for Mamma Mia. Like I think the reason why Mamma Mia has grown so much and has found such an audience is because of the moments where you say what you're afraid to say. Oh, I don't know about that. I think it's in this age it's very risky to say some of the things you're afraid to say. But, for example, there have been kind of seminal moments in like Mamma Mia's history. For example, when you wrote about your anxiety diagnosis before anxiety was a thing anyone talked about. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right, right, right. So So it's kind of when you're your true self. Yeah. And when you're vulnerable in a way that feels uncomfortable. Uh, Yes, that's very true. That's when you uncover an audience that sort of doesn't let you go. And Mm. I think that was that's really true. Also, and I did not know this, did you know she was adopted? Yeah. Yeah, so she tells the story of reaching out to her birth mother and because there were so many parallels with my family and my brother who was adopted, I was texting him quotes from it. She had one that she said, I didn't reach out until I was prepared to be rejected, which to me explained why some people who were adopted wait so long. Because you go, you were 34 before you... So does it mean that she wanted to have a certain level of accomplishment so that she felt secure enough Yes, there was to that. not be destroyed? And she just yeah, thought wow. up until that point, if I approach this situation and reach out for my birth mother and I'm rejected, I cannot handle it. I'm yeah, just not there wow. yet in my sense of self. And was she rejected? No, she wasn't. It's just the most beautiful episode, Conversations with Deborah Francis-White. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Susan, for jumping oh, on, you. filling in for Holly. Susan's going to be hanging out with us a lot 
over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. This episode was produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. Chat to you soon. Bye. Bye. Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you will be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. 